1: Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live-play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, Observer of Time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Hamstra as the Orc Countess Ida and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure, including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown!
2: Duncan, before you stands a relic of a life that at this point seems about as distant as as a life can seem. Uh, you recognize uh, the figure of Hadrian Kin Ellos, um, formerly um, a high-ranking captain of the Dawnbreakers. Uh, but this first captain business is, is new and somewhat strange, given that uh, you have been declaring yourself such uh, for a while now. Um, seeing someone kind of fall out of that period of time, also still looking very much like an Orvellian um, Dawnbreaker, is uh, jarring, to say the least. Um, where your uh, clothing now is, of course, more patchwork, uh, having replaced many pieces of your initial gear over the course of your travels. Um, His, though though worn, um, scuffed and and somewhat damaged, uh, is still very much uh, sort of a classic Dawnbreaker outfit, though you can see he has taken the the efforts to conceal it under kind of some light burlap and and other things to just kind of not have blazingly obvious uh, royal... Livery um, in a in a strange land, um, but uh, nevertheless uh, very much a part of the institution as you remember it. Um, kind of the almost the ideal dawnbreaker as you remember him. Um, I think you would have had uh, some interactions with him, and we'll talk about what those were in a moment. Um, but generally speaking, uh, like pretty straight shooter um, amongst the the kind of uh, lazy and to some extent corrupt dawnbreakers you remember, um, he really did kind of seem like you know, the, the last good cop trying to clean up the dirty department. Um, but also, um, he was better at falling in line than you were. So while well, you were gradually kind of regulated out of the palace and kind of into the docks and some of the, the more dangerous places, um, he continued to serve kind of in the, uh, the Dawnbreaker corps proper. Um, and, uh, Though you got the sense that he always uh, tried to do the best with with whatever position he was given, he still was very much within uh, within that system. Nevertheless, it makes absolutely no sense that that he's here. Um, Gwendolyn, you have a similar reaction um, in that uh, it's strange seeing Palace Dawnbreakers again, and also it's been so long that I think to some extent Duncan has become the Dawnbreaker in in your mind, um, and. Uh, having a sort of a harsh physical reminder that that may not be true is, is odd, but, uh, odder still is the fact that, uh, he recognized you because as you understand no one outside of Orville has any conception that, uh, you're still alive, uh, let alone you're inside the armor. Um, <clears throat> for Ita and, uh, Maka, uh, it's weird seeing humans, uh, seeing more humans. Uh, there are, um, with this sort of small cart um, that you found in this uh, the small fire, uh, there are um, four. Yeah, there are four humans uh, and a gnome. Um, but outside of uh, Duncan, um, you haven't. And uh, Maka, obviously, uh, you met a number of humans in uh, your your adventures through Orvel um, and byproduct. But beyond that, um, there's been no human presence um, that you, you've encountered. So this is this is very strange. And Ita, uh, for you, I think again, just being a creature of logic, um, you would have to assume that Duncan is what a Dawnbreaker is, uh, because you've only met one, and that's what that is. But suddenly seeing a stark contrast is, I think, a bit of a shock, particularly given that you know this man has none of the um, none of the swagger or or flair that you so that you so sort of um, associate with Duncan, uh, in part and this wouldn't be anything Ida would know, in part this is because not every Dawnbreaker is a duelist. Um, but to her, I think it would be, if you just assume that all Dawnbreakers are kind of like charming rogues with you know a flash of the cape and a, a quick pun, to see this kind of incredibly austere military bearing, standing tall, um, very uh, seemingly grounded and controlled, where, where Duncan is all like fluid mo- move. If Duncan is water, this guy's rock. Like just very very solid, um, solid stance. Um, I think it, it's not earth shattering to her, but I think it would definitely be strange because uh, it's just a yeah. a new, a new thing. Um, but uh, given that Duncan, you and uh, Gwendolyn, you are both the most affected by by this. I will kind of give you you two the first response. Um, as you recall, Hadrian has greeted you. Uh, as you, you approach the uh, the campfire and the uh, the small cart um, off, uh, off to the side of the road, uh, and uh, has uh, just identified Gwendolyn as uh, the princess. Duncan would take a step back, playing his
3: kind of traditional role as more bodyguard than person in charge here. He doesn't know how these guys have landed on the ground, and will be innately suspicious about how they're here slash where Orvel is. But he'll watch from the shadows, I think, more and let Gwendolyn deal with troops that are still sworn to her. He's free of those oaths; they're not.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and I think, I think Gwendolyn her initial instinct was to say, kind of like, "Oh my God, yes, me!" Like you know, someone who me, recognizes me. But I think very quickly she's reminded of like the betrayal that happened on Orville and. She doesn't know who all was involved in that um, and how deeply it ran. So I think she's going to... I think she'll just respond saying like, wait, princess, where? And she kind of like looks dramatically, like very obviously around, like either side of her and behind her.
3: Duncan's just going to put his face in his hands. This is the worst
2: (laughs) gamble he's seen anyone pull up in a while. Yeah, can you roll me a deception check, please? Who are the princess? (laughs) (laughs)
4: Window <laughs> yeah, it's a 5.
2: Cool. Well, it would have been great, but Maka <laughs> said uh said his thing. Um, <laughs> Hadrian uh kind of smirks uh at that uh sort of shooting a, a glance to you uh Maka and then he looks back to you Gwendolyn, and uh just um uh sort of again with with amusement but also um still a, a good degree of um care and uh I guess I was gonna say reference, but that's not the right term. Um respect. Respect, maybe? thank you. Yes. Um, it says, Ah, uh, perhaps I should admit I have you at a bit of a disadvantage, your highness. Um, and he pulls a gem from his pocket. Um and um Duncan, how I don't think you would really identify magic items at a distance. Uh,
3: unless it's something that's related to the Dawnbreakers, which he would obsess over one and everything it's, about. Regular magic, he doesn't know shit.
2: Yeah, it's it's not. Um, Gwendolyn. He's got you a can, glowing rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gwendolyn, you can roll me one if you want. Sure. Um, Maka, you could as well. Um, this would be Arcana. What's this for me? Arcana. Tom, also Arcana? Yeah. Okay. 12. Dirty 20. Dirty 20. Um, all right. Um, maka uh you've certainly seen these before um this is a gem of true sight uh these are um, relatively simple um uh, enchantments um they aren't uh they aren't common by any stretch but they're also not rare if that uh not in terms of like where they're listed in the dmg Hmm. but uh, in terms of um, <laughs> they're in, expensive but not in, in the world of Grin, um yeah they're, they're they're things that are, are common enough uh, to see I guess in like Harry Potter terms would be like the equivalent of like a broomstick or something where it's like lots of people have them they're still really expensive but like they exist in the world mm-hmm. and um, uh, Bleen in particular um, has certainly dealt with uh, export of a lot of these uh, because they were an easy enough magic item to kind of sell it's also I don't think you would know this but Gwendolyn you might It's a way for um, uh, nobility to feel like they're magicians without actually learning anything because it's an easy, an easy trick. Um, So he, uh, he holds it up and he says, uh, this stone allows me to see things that others might miss. We've been making much use of it since we landed here in the down low, but it would seem that it has revealed something about your nature that you are somewhat reluctant to share. So, I and my companions are willing to continue the ruse, if that is what you desire, Your Highness.
4: Well, all right, okay, I mean, sure, okay, I guess if you know it's me. Um, but can I, can I, can I use that gem for a minute? Because, like, that'll let me know that, like, you're who you say you are, and then we can, like, continue this with some, like, honesty? Because, like, to be quite frank, a lot of shit went down on Orville. And I don't really quite know what's going on yet with everyone that was on Orville, who got down, who stayed up there, who was infected by the Sin Kai, and what's so.
0: Also, how you got down and what you're doing here are a bit of a question mark, but apparently she wants to do the gem thing first. Um, well, and, I just uh... figured,
4: I look at Daniel, like, oh, I just figured it will answer a lot of questions rather than like going through like you know an interrogation like you know
2: um and uh, a uh, a woman who is sitting on the on the cart um smoking a pipe uh kind of leaps down um she's wearing um sort of a, a heavy duster um mm-hmm. so like a like a long coat um made of uh made of kind of a, a rough leather um she's got a pair of goggles um kind of resting on her forehead uh, and is wearing um, one of those uh, leather sort of aviator caps from like the, uh, the, the thirties and forties. And, 40s. Um, and uh, you can just see like a kind of a, like a, 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 just a spark of like pink hair kind of st- sticking out from, from the corners. Um, so she leaps down uh, and she just says, "Well, oh, you know, it seems to me that, uh, you know, if we're asking questions about what happened on Orville, the, uh, the talking suit of armor and uh, the missing Dawnbreaker and the giant turtle guy might have some answers that we want too. So uh, let's, uh, let's be careful about the accusations we're tossing around here. Okay. We've had a pretty rough ride of things ourselves. And Hadrian like holds up a hand and um, looks embarrassed in that way that only uh, a properly austere person can. Um, And uh, honestly, having uh, based him on um, uh, Lance Reddick, like, it's that level of just like, just take it a second. And, uh, for opening his eyes and saying, uh, you'll have to excuse Jasmine. She is correct. We have seen, as she put it, some shit since we left Orville, but. And he turns and he just says, Miss Dean, I warned you in advance that you must let me take lead in these situations. Your temperament is not ideal for such things. Then he turns back and he says, uh, again, you have my apologies, uh, Princess, this gem came from the treasuries of Orvel. Given that those treasuries are the property of the royal family, it is, of course, yours. You may use it as you see fit. Uh, and he hands it to you.
4: All right, and I and I take it. Uh, yep. Does anything happen, like, when I look at them all?
2: Yeah, I don't know so, how this works. Well, uh, it's an item you just got, so you, you will learn. Um, Yay. so, uh, it is a gem of seeing. Uh, it has three charges as an action uh, you can speak the gem's command word and expend one charge for the next 10 minutes you have true sight out to 120 feet when you peer through the gem and it will regain 1d3 expended charges daily at dawn hmm. so to answer your question from the end of last session when do i get my toys now you get your toys now at the beginning of the next session <laughs> never forgive never forget <laughs> it's been months for us i know it's hey, been hey i didn't weeks ask through. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah, those oh, even your wait. character. <laughs> so Hadrian used one charge. Uh, they'd already used uh, an additional charge earlier that day, so there's only the one remaining. But um, you get it. And I think um, for the purposes of of you, um, we'll say the uh, we can skip the command word just because I think given that you're a haunted suit of armor. Um, it's basically almost like um uh touching metal to something that's already got a bit of an electric charge. Like the power can literally just flow through you out of it. You don't have to be like, hey, listen, I need to see some things. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, if your companions are to use it, they they would need to um use a command yeah. of some sort.
4: I think even though it's more like it's like a kind of an automatic thing, I think Gwendolyn would just like hold it and be like Look at the gem and just say like, "I am the rightful heir to the throne of Orvel." Reveal the truth, and would assume that that's like
2: great. All um, she needed to do. Yeah, um, we'll say that. Reveal the truth. Then is the uh, is the, the the command phrase that that uh, locks to it. But we'll also kind of take this as like a, "Hey, you got a previously enjoyed device. Like it's, you have to give it yeah. a new password." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, holding, uh, what would you like to look at? Uh, cause basically you hold it up, um, to your eye, given that you don't have physical eyes. Um, I, I, I want to raise my hand.
3: She does have that little mining lamp cause she put she it does. in the lamp. And
2: have she, it she, yeah, her. yeah. I'd buy that. Ooh. <laughs>
4: Would Duncan, would Duncan suggest that, or Ryan, are you suggesting That's that? That's
3: Ryan <laughs> saying an option for Laura to consider, <laughs> not Duncan telling Gwendolyn how to use it. For him, you've just received a rock. I don't even know if
2: he believes it's real. Um, all right, well, then yeah. Hadrian will step forward as you're kind of putting it in front of your face and kind of moving it around awkwardly and, like, holding it up to, like, the eyes of the mask.
4: Yeah, um, i like, if I, like kind of, like, put it in my hand and, like, thrust it forward, like, does yeah. that do anything?
2: Well actually that would because by thrusting it forward you can see enough through it that I think it's like looking through a hole in a wall where you start to like kind of see see things differently so you you'd be able to figure it out. Again the, the weird thing is you can see if yeah. determined. So I think um and yeah we can fix it later but for now just holding it out. Um what are you trying to determine?
4: Um I'm trying to determine if um if Hadrian is who he says he is and I don't know how much I can see, but I want to see if he's being honest.
2: Okay. I'd like to know that. So true sight is a little bit different than that. But here, give me one sec. Let um, me
1: know.
2: Yeah. So um, you can see things as they actually are. So you know, secret doors hidden by magic. You can see the ethereal plane, um, and so it's more for like detecting if there's stuff. So honestly, what you can see is uh, there's no like sinkai business. Like you know, he doesn't have like the suit tucked away under a shoulder pad or yeah. anything. Um, all, uh, all of these people appear as they are. The gnome has um, glowing tattoos um, under, uh, under his armor um, that seem to be magical enhancements uh, of some sort, um, along with kind of a, like a vaguely Mike Tyson face tattoo that's glowing, um, that just appears like an old faded tattoo, but uh, with the true sight lens, um, glows with kind of a, a, a bluish brilliance. Okay. Um all the tattoos have different colors glowing on them. Um, but uh, other than that, um that you can certainly see some magical uh resonance off some of the things in the cart. Um, but uh no, he otherwise uh you 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 see what you see.
4: Okay. Um I think I think if we want to get it into my little lantern place, I think it's Gwendolyn's kind of holding it, like going goes to put it away. Realize she doesn't have a pocket. Her backpack's kind of awkward to, like, get Mm -hmm. out. And so she just pops it in there for the time being.
2: Right, yeah, just wedge it into the candle, uh, the candle nub. Um, Fantastic.
4: And just said, all right, okay, so you you are who you say you are. We may proceed.
3: Dun- Does like Duncan, a sidelong look at Duncan. <laughs> for the first time in a long time, Duncan has to step forward, lean his head forward so his hat hides his face, and say,
0: "Maybe you should ask them to report, Your Highness, what they've been uh, doing, how they got here, the adventures between the fall of Orville and today, that kind of thing."
4: And then, I kind of put my hand in front of where my mouth would be, say, like, "Can't you do? Can't you do that?"
0: Your Highness, I have no authority over these people. First of all, you freed me from the authority of their organization, and second of all, why would they answer any questions I have? You're, you're their prince. Do you want to rule, Orville? Well, yeah. Well, then maybe you should start today.
4: Okay. All right. Oh, calm down. All right. Um. Okay. So I guess we should start with um. What's what what happened uh when. All the stuff happened Between now Orville. and
2: uh, previously when Orville was attacked, yes, I could hear Duncan Kindano's voice from behind his hat. It was not a sufficient way to cover the sound. I'm happy to report uh, to you, Princess, though I do warn you, I, I think you'll be somewhat uh, concerned by what has occurred. Please, it seems you've been on the road for some time. Would you like to join us at the fire?
4: All right. I guess there's no reason we can't all sit around and be comfortable while we... Talk about concerning things. Let's let's sit around a fire.
0: Um, to, to introduce the other companions, this is Maka, oh, Deathcat, right. formerly of the Consortium of Bleen, but now savior of Jassy. We might go with as the title, uh, and Ita of the Empire of Numbers.
2: Um, and uh, he kind of looks to to both of you, Ida um, and Marca, and he says. Uh, May I ask, are the two of you also exiles from your home nations? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Excellent. And you?
4: And Eda just says, um, "Yes, I. When I left uh, my home, I did not realize that I was an exile. However, uh, it appears that." Uh, uh, people from my homeland have been trying to uh, assassinate me or murder me. I do not know exactly that technically you would call it because I do not fully understand their intentions or precisely why they wish to stop me. Uh, but yes, in, yes.
2: That is most concerning. I can understand why you'd want to separate yourself from that. May I ask then are the two of you seeking the exile's moon as well?
4: Sorry? The.
0: I.
2: I do not what? know of this exiled moon you speak of. Interesting. We assumed the people of the down low would be more familiar with these visions than, than we were, but. This is strange to me. We will talk more of this, but please, the fire, we have uh, refreshments, not much, but what we have is, of course, yours to partake of. Uh, and he kind of like awkwardly looks at Gwendolyn and he says, uh, if partake. Indeed, you still can, and it's the first time. There's like a real like he doesn't really know what to do in this situation. But then he looks at the rest of you and he says, "And please, of course, your companions are most welcome. Um, come, come." Um, so he gathers you um, kind of around the fire. Um, as he starts to move towards the fire, there is uh, like just a like a, 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 like a shattering of, of glass and a commotion uh, from behind the cart. Uh, Duncan, what do you do? Uh,
3: Duncan is just dodging aside. Uh, Like weapons ready. Like he's not sure what's happening. So he's got to scope that out first, but it would be the immediate flank to be able to come at whatever it is from a different angle than his companions.
2: Okay. So you spin around the corner and uh, you see a a teenager um, wearing uh, a uniform that you remember all too well uh, as uh, the uh, sort of like essentially jumpsuit of uh, a squire of the Dawnbreakers. So these are uh, aspirants who are hopeful um, to join um once they've kind of completed the rites and the rituals um given that you kind of bent your whole life around this idea like you would have been quite quite accustomed to wearing this thing um and it is uh unfortunately somewhat less uh dignified than uh, the proper dawnbreaker outfit um ryan what does this thing look like
3: uh oh man okay if you picture uh the outfits from demolition man if you remember the police outfits that like rob schneider wears where it's a little bit too fitted it's a little bit kind of like star trek confused a little bit policey but it ends up just making you look like a dork cuz it's like it's so it's so yes. righteous and justified and like i'm here to help but it does not in any way suggest authority it's <laughs> just i'm here to help like i'll i'll hug you if you're sad seems to be more of its vibe than anything else uh it's not black it's a it's a it's a sky blue. Like, the idea is that they could just come in, like, the weather and help. Uh, so it, it's, it's much more kind of the lighter side of orwell Things shift towards uh, black
2: once oaths have been sworn. Great. Um, so he looks up uh, just like a, a deer caught in the headlights, like, just wide-eyed uh, terror. Um, you can think like a, a slightly older uh, toothless from Stranger Things, um, so just like kind of cherubic features but also like a tremendously good face for I fucked up, uh, which is what what he's currently wearing. Um, and uh, you can see that there is um, what looks to be a truly ornate and and like ancient urn shattered at his feet. Um, and uh, in one hand, he's got a towel. In another hand, he's got a footstool. And he just stands there and he says, I uh, seat for princess? I wanted to get a seat for the princess? And what is your name, Aspirant? Squ- Squire Nibs, sir. Um, And you just hear Hadrian say, Nibs, that urn was held in a place of the utmost honor within the treasury, and you ruined it? for a footstool and um immediately the gnome and uh the uh the, the lady in the duster just burst into laughter um and from out of the cart comes another uh human who is wearing a tattered um, royal butler outfit uh from the palace of orvel um think uh thomas from down abbey so just like a face kind of always like he, he just bit into a lemon, like no matter how happy yes. he is, just like a little bit off all the time. Um, and Gwendolyn, having spent the most time in the palace of orwell uh, we've established that everyone wears, um, that part of the pageantry of the uh, philosopher king's court uh, is that everyone wears an outfit suited to their their uh, uh, profession. So we know this butler is in, in is in tales of some sort, um, but uh, what does an Orvellian butler wear?
4: Um, they wear, they wear kind of a, like an off white, um, kind of, it's kind of shaded to almost match like the stone that's Mm -hmm. in the palace with like, like delicate, very delicate gold trim so that they can essentially stay still and remain unseen at any time gotcha. so that they're not a distraction.
2: Okay, amazing. I'll, I'll do you one better uh, and say that they also have to wear makeup. So they've got like that French court yes. thing where it's like they mm-hmm. wear yes, the white 100%. to like just, yeah, yeah, I love that. Normally, so normally their
4: hair would be dusted. It would be powdered yeah, yeah, 100%, white as well. Just so that yeah. when they
2: press against a the wall, they look like, oh, that's so yeah. gross. Um, okay, so <laughs> this guy steps out um, and he looks like that, but that if you pushed him down a grassy hill. So the outfit is, <laughs> oh. um, it's still, you can tell it is put together with as much care as it can be, but it's stained and kind of damaged. All the stains have been like scrubbed very viciously, but it's only really made it worse and more threadbare. Yeah. The gold, um, like the, the gold brocade and everything is, is like, um, has come apart uh, in the way that like Fancy Rope does. Uh, which also just reveals how legitimately cheap it always was. but when yeah. it's c- kept completely,
4: I imagine it was probably like um just like a standard like uh, kind of woven, like mm-hmm. cheap grass kind of woven that was probably painted gold over top.
2: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it looks pristine if you don't fuck with it. yeah. um and uh, you can see he has attempted um to to wear their uh, the marble makeup. Um, but at this point, it's it's he's clearly making do with like he's at the bottom of his makeup pot and he's got like only a little bit left. So it, it weirdly almost looks more like a bad sunscreen application, where it's like his nose and like across his eyebrows and a little bit on his cheeks. Um, but uh, very much a uh, you know a desperate attempt at at normalcy. Hmm. Um, and he uh, just kind of uh, leaps out and says, oh, "That was that was." Third dynasty, uh, almost as old as Orval itself, now ground to dust by the slippery hands of an idiot. Um, and uh, Squire Nibs just looks like, again, aghast, but then slowly, still maintaining eye contact with you, Duncan, because I think he's probably more scared of you than these other guys, just like moves over to the fire and just like puts down the footstool and like puts a towel over a log. Um,
0: Thank you for creating a seat for the princess, Squire Nibs. As you know, wealth has no interest to a Dawnbreaker. And anyone who wears this uniform, uh,
3: Duncan just turns with a steely gaze to the (laughs) butler.
2: Is no fool. Fools speak poorly of Dawnbreakers. And uh, Hadrian kind of like smiles at that and kind of like nods to you. And uh, the butler um, glowers back. Uh, and in a tone that you have not heard in ages, uh, having been away from court, uh, just gives you a, of course, very good, sir. Um, and then he, uh, begins to like with a little brush and, um, like clearly like a brush made of Uh, twigs. He's such um, a
4: Thomas. uh, Just starts
2: like, starts like scooping up shards of this and like carefully placing them back inside the cart. Um, and uh, together you, you gather around the fire. Um, so Hadrian quickly uh, runs through introductions uh, as well. Um, you've got uh, obviously him. Um, we have uh, Jasmine Dean, um, who is an aeronaut. Uh, mm. She is one of the engineers responsible for keeping Orville, uh, all the, the technology that keeps Orville uh, aloft, working. Uh, having now seen that technology at work um, in the Spiro Station, uh, or sorry, Nimbus Station. Uh, you get the sense that not unlike a lot of the uh, technology in Warhammer 40,000, um, it's likely maintained by Orvalian engineers who have no idea how to replicate it. So right. they can keep it going, they can keep it healthy, they can like fix it. But it's now very clear that this was not an Orvalian invention, despite what kind of the common lore of Orvel would have you believe. So, Jasmeet is a civil servant,
3: but not a Dawnbreaker,
2: correct? Correct. Yeah. The only Dawnbreaker in the house is Hadrian. Okay. Um, and Squire Nibs is honestly like kind of almost a deputy at this point because that's it. But no, um, they're the only Dawnbreakers. Uh, you have uh, Nerman Locks, the underbutler, <laughs> um, who, Gwendolyn, I don't think you would recognize. Um, during your time at the palace, I don't like, think I'd
4: recognize any of them.
2: You'd recognize the head butler, uh, but yeah, but because,
4: Any but, like no one I wouldn't have to deal with directly.
2: No, you're aware that under butler means that he is—he's uh, a mid-range butler. He's like he's not the head butler, but he is—he yeah. has more responsibility than than most. Um, but you would—you would not know any of those people. You would just know that under butlers are, exist and are more capable. Yeah. I know. Um,
4: I know what their role is.
2: Exactly, Probably. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I mean, you would know largely because, like, you'd have to know so you could discipline the staff, which yeah. is something that I think your father would have been very, very big on. Yeah. Um, and uh, Esquire Nibs, obviously, as you already met. Uh, and um, Fallow Ted, uh, who is the no mercenary.
4: Uh, Ted, all right.
2: Uh, Ted doesn't say too much. Uh, he's quick with a laugh um, and kind of like a grunt of approval, but in a way that Duncan you would recognize pretty quickly i think um, he is a he's a paid mercenary and his his job is to like defend the caravan and help he's you know he's not really trying to be chummy he's just like no like i'm a professional like i like you guys but like mm. um so uh, kind of a quiet guy um, but yes that is uh, that is the the party uh, as well as a uh, sort of the the cart that they've been uh, they've been hauling um, so, um, we are, uh, you're welcomed around the fire. Um, we all kind of, uh, settle in, um, admittedly after a few days on the road, um, you obviously got some time to kind of rest and recover, uh, before leaving, um, the, uh, the clinic, um, after the, uh, the funeral of Doc Malvern. Um, but you have been on the road for a little while, uh, when you encountered, uh, these folks. So it is nice to get a proper fire also with this many people. Duncan, I think any fears you might have about being exposed by having a fire are lowered quite considerably because this is a, a good, a goodly amount of people to be kind of uh, around a fire and, and to be able to, to kind of defend it and protect it. Also, you haven't seen a soul uh, since you left um, the uh, the Valley of Eternal Storms, which makes sense because up until you left it, there was no way in or out from the side that you you came mm-hmm. through. So it's not. It would make sense that uh, exiles from Orvel would be around here because they don't know the terrain at all. But obviously, like, random travelers wouldn't likely use this route. Um, So um, you settle down. um, uh, Squire, Nibs, uh, and uh, Nerman uh, bring out uh, a a decent amount of of, uh, food and drink. It is is, uh, sparse, but it is um, nourishing. A lot of scavenged food, so berries, um, some, like, Likely some like squirrel meat, that sort of thing. That you could like trap um, some rabbit, maybe. But it's anything they have is kind of dried, and it's road food. It's not um, not anything good, like really hearty. But it's it's enough to kind of fill fill a hole in your stomach. Maka, for you, this is actually a bit of a relief, um, having been around kind of excess and machines, and you know all sorts of highly um, produced materials. Just finding some people who are like. We made a nourishing soup of some roots. Is <laughs> like a fucking breath of fresh air. Yeah, Even yeah. being home and lean, like the amount of, of excess that was occurring really uh set you aside. So um so you all have some uh some nourishment uh if you if you desire it. Um as uh or at least it's brought to you. You can certainly roll checks if you are concerned about it at all, but it is it is offered to you. Um and uh you, you pull it digs over. in. Yep, yeah, digs in, yeah. All right. Um, Ita, I assume you'd probably be taking your cue off Duncan.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ida yeah. not having had any experience with really, yeah. With really, honestly, with really any humans other than. Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, literally
3: no Duncan.
4: I yeah. Those. So I, I think she'll be, she'll be following suit.
3: Uh, Duncan would go without for now he wouldn't do it in a rude way but he would just be kind of like probably leaning into quote-unquote bodyguard duties uh to stick around the princess he's still not sure what the fuck this group is doing here and it's nice that hadrian's here because hadrian is more trustworthy but he doesn't know who the rest are he's seen mind control stuff going on like there's just a lot of question marks about how this group got here so totally fair
2: Um, I will say uh, you get some dirty looks from um, Jazzmeet and uh, Fallow Ted um, for kind of not fully engaging. Um, but Hadrian is, he's not asking any questions. He's not like trying to convince you. Otherwise you can tell he's actually kind of giving you respectful distance to, to do your thing, um, which tracks with what you would expect of, of your brief experience with him. Again, this isn't, this is a guy you would notice see from like across the yard, not like when you were all training and stuff, mm-hmm. it's not a guy that you're like pals with. Because honestly, he would have been one of the popular kids and probably on all the sports teams. So you're aware that he's there, but you wouldn't have had much. Yeah, I wouldn't go over and like have a secret handshake. He's just no. someone
3: that I can respect while also instinctively disliking them for success. <laughs>
2: 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would argue um, age-wise, you guys were probably squires at roughly the same time. Um mm-hmm. I think he might be a little bit younger than you, but um, also just like as with a lot of the Dawnbreakers, more concerned with like getting into the job, less concerned with and like into getting to be one than actually like deep diving on the tenants and and the history. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So with that, yeah, you kind of settle around the fire. Uh, you've asked a bunch of questions, um, obviously leading up to this. I'm curious what you would want to start with.
4: Um, I think this would be, all right. So most pressing, um, we're going to get to like everything, but I think it's like, what are you doing right now? How did you come here? Like I'm talking about like in the last few days, like, where are you going? What is your current purpose?
2: Um, and, um, he, uh, nods and says, uh, a very good per- uh, question princess uh determining the present rather than fixating on the past we are seeking and suddenly like nibs just like out of nowhere yells the exiles moon and everyone turns and looks at him and he just kind of like slinks back behind the cart um and uh hadrian sighs quietly uh and gives you i think duncan an unknowing look of like fucking squires um but i also don't think i don't think that would ever have been like you wouldn't jim take to that but other dawn breakers absolutely would so kind of shoots through that glance and then kind of realizes that there's no response that he would normally get to it and
3: yeah he shot a jim take to dwight because to (laughs) to, like for duncan every squire is an incredibly admirable human who will dedicate their life to this cause and whatever their failings are, are the failings
2: of the people training them so for him nibs is probably the best person here yeah fair enough um, so she should see that look gets nothing. Um, his lips tighten slightly, and he, he turns back to uh, the rest of you, and he says, uh, yes, as my excitable uh, squire has said, we are seeking something known as the Exile's Moon. Now, uh, Maka and uh, Ita, neither of you have, have heard of this, but ever since we arrived here in the down low, we started to receive visions, visions of a strange symbol of of a tree hung with all manner of ornamentation. Very strange, but very specific. Before long, we found a mark for this very tree carved into a fence around a farm. We gave the farm wide berth, not knowing what kind of reception we would get here in the down low. But as soon as we found the mark, led us to more and others, And somehow we knew, without knowing, that we were seeking a gathering known as the Exile's Moon. Each night we dream of this place. And now some of us, and he kind of shoots a quick glance that uh, all of you catch at Nerman, because most of us see it now with incredible clarity. It is a warm place, a safe place. And there is a woman, a strange woman, expecting us there with open arms. We do not know the nature of this woman, nor do we know the nature of this gathering, but given how very lost we are down here in this strange world, we thought this would be a good place to start." And um, Nerman clears his throat, and again, Adrian just kind of narrows his eyes as well. Some of us thought this would be a good place to start.
4: All right, that's great. So, um, under Butler Nerman, um why do you dissent? Please speak openly and freely.
2: Um, and uh he looks with kind of a cocked eye, challenging cocked eyebrow to Hadrian in kind of like, a, are you gonna stop me, bud? Way. And um Hadrian with again just a thin, a thin smile of uh <laughs> like barely constrained uh loathing just kind of nods and uh nerman says uh first of all your highness it is an honor to serve at the feet of uh the heir to orvel and the orvellian line exiled though you are it is a true honor to be in the presence of dignified people and um he does one of those overly rehearsed and unnecessary bows uh from orvellian court uh Gwendolyn, this isn't something butlers do. This is something that uh, the, it's one of the many like trained monkey things that your father made. All of the various like representatives of their industries do um, at at kind of state dinners, uh, and yet he does it flawlessly. It is, it is a uh, it is a perfect um, a perfect bow. Uh, do you want to roll me a check of some sort? I can see. Uh, yeah, I can see that you are having thoughts about this, so I figure the dice can help. Um, um,
4: I guess that would probably be perception.
2: Yeah, I take perception and, or I take history.
4: Um, I think it's probably oh mm.
2: Up to you. And um, Ryan, I think uh Duncan could actually probably roll on this as well. It's odd. I just don't know that he would care.
1: Uh,
3: yeah. He'd only want to know if the guy was lying or not. That's yep. the only thing that matters to him. So
2: maybe insight for Duncan. Yeah, yeah. Give me an insight, please.
4: Yeah, and I think I'll do perception. Um just because it's it's because it's related to Blean court, I'm kind of like I'm, court. I'm on. Sorry, <laughs> or <Orvillean laughs> court. I'm kind of like yeah, keeping an eye like to see if I notice anything in particular that sure. I would know in that respect. Mm-hmm.
3: Weirdly exceptional roll twenty four for Duncan. He's Ooh. so happy to be
2: looking at a human face because <laughs> he knows how those move. <laughs> he knows how they lie. I rolled a ten. Ten. Okay. Um, it, you find it incredibly strange, Gwendolyn, but. Um, you don't gain any additional information okay. from it. Um and Ryan, you're you're trying to see if he's lying, uh lying about it being a great pleasure to serve at the feet of Orvelian, whatever the hell, or
3: I think he's it's the classic, just like checking for menace. Like, is there something in here that's not true? Is there something manipulating okay. the princess? It's bodyguard mode. He probably won't be like, oh, there's a conspiracy and I've solved it. It's just like that Sure, sure trust sure. dickhead.
2: Okay. Uh this reads to you as like next level uh sycophancy, if that's a word. Um, mm-hmm. like it and because he ruled extraordinarily well, I'll say, like, um, the only lie here, A, it's, like, the classic sniveling, like... I live to serve, which... Yeah, I'm, I'm like, kissing your ass. I don't actually live to serve. I just know that that's how I rise, yeah. so I'm kissing your ass. Um, but uh, the butler, the the entire butlering staff at the palace is not trained in these bows. He clearly learned it on his own, um, which gives you kind of a, a I think, a, a little bit of an insight into, like, The lie here is that he knows how to do that bow. He shouldn't, and there's no reason for him to do it other than it's what fancy fuckers do, and he's trying to be a fancy fucker.
3: He's a wiener, and he's clever. Okay, that's good for Duncan to know. Yeah, (laughs) so
2: um, he he rises uh, from that bow, looking very happy that he got to do it, Um, and uh, he says, uh, Your Highness, you'll have to forgive me. I was involved with these people in uh, a plot to help rescue the King. I was promised a slight elevation in purpose if I did. Uh, The term under butler has always grated slightly against me in my abilities and my capabilities.
4: Would you prefer if I called you a butler? Would that make you tell your purpose more clearly in your thoughts?
2: Perhaps head butler, your highness.
4: All right, head butler, just give me a report on what I asked of you. Why is this there, taking so long?
2: I see that your father's impatience is hereditary. Excu- your-
4: Excuse me.
0: Give
2: if you'd me like your to report. Him, maybe bust him back down to butler and he can work for the head thing. I
4: think sub under butler is coming next. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um and uh you can see like both uh jasmine and actually hadrian are both just fucking living for this like they're both just like hadrian is completely like again classic lance reddick like completely unknowable face but there's that glint in his eye of like this is great um whereas jasmine is just clearly like chuckling into uh into like her mug of water um and um his lip twists slightly as though he's remembered where he is you also get the sense Gwendolyn that like he's not used to reporting to a suit of armor Like, there's probably derision amongst, like, knights and guards and dawnbreakers and everything else. But, like, you don't look like a royal, so he's not really treating you like a royal. Right. Um, And uh, suddenly his face falls, and he kind of um, uh, sort of, like, uh, stands to attention um, and uh, says, Of course, your highness, you must forgive me. It has been a while since I've been around civilized people. Um, We attempted to save your father, the king. However, it did not go according to plan, and rather than an elevated position within the palace, as I was promised, and a restoration of order, we instead found ourselves falling, gracefully, I will admit, he shoots a glance to Jasmine, he says, but falling nevertheless into this horrible place, and now we are in search of anything we can find to... Help us determine our next move, as the first captain is so fond of saying. But this is far from the palace and not at all what I signed up for. So, with respect, I fucking hate it here.
4: All right, so you're pretty much against everything that doesn't get you back to the palace. It's not like... Your thoughts on the Exile Moon, like...
2: My thoughts are I would rather not expose myself and the, the, the heroes of Orville and you, Your Highness, to a bunch of odd miscreants we have no real clue about in a place we've never been and have only seen in lunatic visions. does not seem a tactically sound or healthy thing to trust in or do.
4: All right. Um, at ease, under Butler, I took away the sub because
2: and, you showed uh, some deference. He uh he does he goes to do the flourish bow, but then thinks better of it and instead just gives you a standard short bow. And I mean, I think based on the way we've talked about these butlers, their bow will say it's just like a, a cocking of the head to forty five, rather than like even leaning forward. Because if they're meant to just disappear into the walls, them constantly ducking forward would be like awful, like wall sconces falling on you. So just <laughs> tilts his head at a forty five degree angle as as you're accustomed to and uh, disappears back behind the cart. Um. And, Mark, uh, I, oh, sorry, no, go ahead,
0: Mark. I have a question for you. Uh, you know, the greatest amount about say dream visions, sendings, shared consciousness through the root folk uh, and elsewhere. Could these dreams be from a nefarious source, a good source? Is there any way for us to determine this? Dreams are often a method for supernatural communication hmm, with mortals and more plain folk. Whether the sender of these messages, these dreams, is benevolent or nefarious, hmm, I cannot say. Well, shite, all right, Um, back to you, Princess.
4: All right. Well, all right. So now we know what you're doing. Now, um, I would like, honestly, a play-by-play account of everything that went down uh, once, uh, you know, everything started going wrong up in Orville. I mean, uh-huh. not, not, not like, not like from then to here. I just mean like from like the bad stuff up there until you were on the ground. And then it can just be like a highlights.
2: Um, He nods and he says, of course, princess, understood. I'm sure this will be beneficial for all of your companions, uh, particularly Duncan. I can only imagine as a member of the Dawnbreakers, how curious you must be about what happened to your, your your fellow Dawnbreakers uh, after the fall. I suppose, Princess, the first thing that is worth mentioning is you died.
1: This episode of Curse, Code, and Crown sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hempstra and the campaign was created by Tom McGee! Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse, Code, and Crown's artwork was created by the brilliant Del Barovic. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at elhamstring, Ryan at THERyanLaBlont, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown!
3: Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.